ABCs, where this week we will be discussing Sausage Party, oh, the movie uh, by Tracy. Seth... I don't, I don't think it's it's Sausage Party. I think that's a, a movie that Seth Rogen and Co. made. Right. That that's what we're reviewing no, this no, week, no, right? That... Not, we're reviewing uh, Food Party. Food Party. Yeah. I was supposed to listen to Food Party this were week. Were you listening to Sa- who is Sausage Party by? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it it was the movie. I thought we were oh. reviewing the movie this week instead of the. No, that's the a song. very very different. Oh, piece of. All right, well, wait a minute while I pull that up. While I do that, everyone, listen to this clip of Food Party by Bare Naked (laughs) Ladies. All right. Everybody's here. Oh, yeah, good to see you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming. By the way, I'm sweet. I'm like a chocolatey treat. Sweet. Can I get you guys anything? You can get me a lemon, because I'm sour. All right, so this song was written by Baraka Ladies. Um, Aaron, what album was this on? Well, Tracy, it doesn't take a genius to figure out <laughs> that this is off of uh, the the children's album, Snack Time. I want to know why this song wasn't on the soundtrack for Sausage it Party. It should have been. Like, come on. It like It really should have been. This, it makes absolute food sense fight. for this to be on there. <laughs> or Food Fight or something along that line. Like, come on, people. There aren't a lot of songs out there about food. Bare Naked Ladies. This is a nice, easy one. They were too good for Food Fight. But they should have been in Sausage Party, I agree. <laughs> well, I think it would have made sense with all... Like, that. what a great way to introduce characters. And, like, it would have been funny. At least put it in... At least on the album, you know? <laughs> of course, I, I, I suppose it is a children's song. And that's not much of a there children's movie. There is that. Movie. There is that, too. But the I'm salty line would have been perfect. It would have been. <laughs> so, Aaron, while you break down this song for us, there's not a lot oh, to okay. say about this. Let's break it down. Break down, break down, break down. Aaron's going to talk about construction and time. Okay, Food Party. Interesting tune. Uh, food Party was recorded at approximately 182 beats per minute. My analysis is very simple, Tracy. It's a basic, it's a basic twelve-part blues in F blues scale, uh, pretty much just drums and a walking bass line with uh, talking parts over it. Now I'm not trying to be disparaging here. I'm not trying to be bitter. Uh, there's some good humor in there. Now, who invited the textures? People like me because I'm salty. Uh, I'm bland. I can help. I'm salty. Uh, uh, there's some good humor. And it's, of course, the ending with Umami. I did enjoy how they link the tastes and textures to personality traits. Uh, I think my favorite part of the song was the end, which I know sounds like I'm being a jerk, but I'm serious. <laughs> the dramatic voice announcing featuring Ed Chavanuzzi on <laughs> Claves, I think is how he pronounced it. Claves. <laughs> Next up on Radio K-A-K-E, Baranaked Ladies, with... Canadian snack time trilogy. Trilogy, <laughs> trilogy. Yes. it was hilarious. So that, that's it's good, silly fun. I enjoy the humor. Uh, however, there's not much for me to analyze here, musically speaking. It's a walking bass line, swinging drums. It's fun and it's bouncy and jazzy, and I like that. And I love the blues. And uh, I just wish there was a melody there, you know, yeah. <laughs> beyond just the, the rhythm section. 
Uh, I get that it's sort of really more of a comedic interlude track more than a song per se, but here we are, the Baranaka ABCs, and uh, <laughs> we're we're discussing it. So that's really all I have for my breakdown. So the only thing that I really had during this song that I wanted, I mean, one, I like how they hit all of the different types of food yep. flavors, including bland, like good throw in there. <laughs> like let's, I'm bland. Let's honor the fact I love things with a lot of flavor. My family doesn't i thought you were french not irish <laughs> there has to be some recognition there for people who don't like food with flavor like that <laughs> there is a flavor called bland you know um i also like that they threw umami in there like who not many people yeah. know umami and they're teaching kids about this wonderful flavor type especially a decade or so ago like that was definitely now you know umami in the past three four years has been quite all the rage with all the hipsters but right 10 years ago it was quite uh, unheard of uh, in the western world for the most part. i think the first time i ever heard of it was on iron chef like that yeah like... oh definitely iron chef yeah. <laughs> they're like let's bring this to the front and i think the only way they could have improved the i'm bland line is if they had dave foley reading it. <laughs> that would have been amazing i would have loved that that would have been perfect <laughs> as his like principal character from kids in the hall <laughs> the other thing i like they put textures in there they got smooth and crunchy i wish they yeah. had expanded Who on invited that? the textures <laughs> <laughs> i'm crunchy <laughs> I, I wish they'd done more of that as well. Like, hey, let's really educate them yeah. while we're having fun with this. Um, but what I really like about this song is they are... Well, it's not really a song, but... They, well, kind of is. Um, they're having fun with it. They're just like... Yeah. It's scripted, but they're just enjoying themselves and like seeing how far they can take this. Uh, they do mention at the end, as you mentioned, um, the Anton, Antoine Corbijn... <laughs> Yes. And I was like... On the claves. <laughs> on the claves. And I was like, who? That made me laugh. I took, it took me a second. I was like, Clay, oh, claves. Because they did have that, like, <laughs> it, like one second of the song. It's like, ding, 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 ding. You hear the claves, and then it stopped. <laughs> and everything's mispronounced. So that was funny. I enjoyed that. The claves. So everything is mispronounced <laughs> at the end of the song. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, who could this person be that they're referencing? B&L are... They're, they're big music nerds. Who could this person be? The only thing that I could find that was anything close was Anton Corbain. Okay. Anton Corbain. If they're referring to him, it is it is written, if you're spelling it out, Corbijn. So, yes, that, would, that fits kind of what they're going with with this announcer at the end of the segment. So, Anton Corbain was a Dutch photographer, but he was also a music video director and a film director... Um, he is the creative director behind the visual output of all of most of U2 and Depeche Mode stuff. Um, so when you think gotta of U2, be a and De- yeah, oh yeah, I, it's got to be what they're going yeah. for there because they love those two bands. Um, <laughs> so like, if you think about like iconic U2 type stuff, like Joshua Tree, Octang Baby, nice. he did yeah. those those photo album photos for the front of the album. Um, with Depeche Mode, he did the videos for Personal Jesus and Heart Shaped Box, and also did the photography for him. He's worked with Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, Tom Waits, uh, Miles Davis, York, York um, Kim Wilde. He's, <laughs> he's done photography for Stephen Hawking and Elvis Costello, 
and Morrissey, um, Simple Minds, Clint Eastwood, The Cramps, Roxette, like Eurythmics. He's all over the place, um, along with um, REM, Bee Gees, uh, Brian Adams, like Metallica. This guy is huge. So and it's he directed be... Control, which is a 2007 uh, biopic of Ian Curtis of uh, Joy Division. Right. I mean, it's got to be this person that they're referring to. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and I love how they mispronounce it. So, <laughs> yeah. so there's Please. not a ton to say on this song, though, there because really it is just spoken word with, I think it's a really cool jazz kind of background going on behind them. Um, I actually, in, in some ways, like this more than I like the Snack Time trilogy that follows it up. I mean, there's something likable about this. It's just, I wish, it seems like they could have done something a little more musically. True. I, not, you know, again, I, I, I'm glad that it's there on the album. I think it might actually be one of my favorite tracks on the album. <laughs> um, but yeah, I appreciate the creativity and the oddity of the, uh, the premise and the execution and the uh, voice performances and everything. But, you know, it just, yeah, I just feel like. I could have had, if it had been a little something more to it musically, I feel like I would have uh, gotten a lot more out of it. Yeah. I, and then, you know, I'm when I'm rating this, which we'll get to, I'm rating it once again that it's on a kid's album. This is supposed to be educational, while fun, to really grab the kid's attention. And I think that it succeeds in doing that and that it pulls it away from what is normal on this album, what the kids have been listening to for half this album already. And it, it's a different sound, a different thing that they're doing. So it grabs their attention to pull them and let them know we're changing tracks here, going into the snack time trilogy and then heading back into the album proper after that. Um, I don't know. I think it's a neat way to do it. So why don't we, since we, I don't, I don't have much to say about this song because there's little music to it. Um, and, and the words are pretty simplistic. It's more of a conversation. And if we were going to like break this down as a play, like I would never put this on stage as a play because it's not it's not like great uh, dialogue. It's just <laughs> people yeah. producing themselves with a little bit of joking in between. <laughs> Agreed. So not much to say on this song, unfortunately. Uh, well, we'll find time. We'll find things to fill the episode up with, but it, it, it's not going to be with breaking this song down. I don't it's think really today. not. <laughs> um, so, Aaron, why don't we jump into ratings? How many flavors, zero to five flavors? Okay. Do you give this song? Uh, I place this just around the middle point, uh, as you know. Uh, the highest uh, of the children's songs I've rated thus far, I think, has been Snack Time, uh, which was a three. Uh, this is not the worst of the kids' songs that I've heard. I like this more than I like a lot of the other ones. Uh, it's still, you know, well below the rest of their repertoire, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going to give this a 2.6 flavors, which I'm going to call Sweet, Sour, and Just Over Half of Umami. <laughs> Not bad. 2.6 is, is respectable. It's above average. Um, Once again, I am, I'm basing this as a kid's song that's educational, meant to grab their attention. Uh, it's meant to be something different on the album. It's not really meant to be a song 
per se. Um, to some extent, if it weren't even listed, if it were just an introduction into yeah, it. Yeah, like not a hidden track a, or something. Right. It would be better as a hidden track. If we're going to rate it, though, um, I, I, I can't rate it as a song, but at the same time have to rate it as a kid's song. I do love the fact that they're educating kids on this stuff. I do like the fact that this is an interesting direction to kind of be going on on this album. Um, I have to give it a three. It was fun. Um, so uh, we'll we'll throw in Michelle's here. Let's see. Michelle, what do you have to say about this song? Hey, guys, this is Michelle, and I am here with my review of Food Party. Now, I know this is on the children's album, so I can only imagine what Aaron has to say, but I have a feeling that Aaron actually likes this song um, reluctantly because it is one of the kids' songs, but I loved it. I thought it was groovy and, you know, the the uh, walking bass in the background was so nice. And, you know, the song is very visual. It definitely evokes a certain scene and you know when i first started listening to food party i wanted a scotch and a cigarette just because of that bass in the background and all the voices were really cool i liked all the different sound effects and as the sound effects got going i pictured the song as a sketch on the muppet show or something that you'd see on sesame street where all the different foods are actually in a stomach talking to each other. And that's where the party is happening in somebody's stomach. Um, but I just, I thought the song was totally fun and I am going to give it a 3.5. I think I would go higher if it was longer. Cause I really, I liked the flight of fancy that it took me on and I thought it was fun and I liked the bass and I just liked all the voices and the accents. And I just thought it showed the band's sense of humor really well. So that's that. I hope you're all doing well and I hope to see you soon. Very interesting. Yes. That was really interesting, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> she got the highest out of all of us, which brings us before the kids' ratings to an average of 3.03. Not bad at all. Now, I'm going to have the kids give us their rating here. Okay, Bella, so tell me what you thought of Food Party. I think it was good. It was good? Yes. So what were the things about it that you liked? I like that it 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 was like light and then it got higher so you could hear it more okay there are any other things that you liked about it yeah i i liked how they like introduced like all like the things you can taste in foods okay were there any things about it that you didn't like i didn't really like the radio part you didn't no okay you don't have to like every part of every song, do we? No. No. So zero to five, how many how many flavors would you give this song? Four. Four flavors? Yes. Okay, thank you. Ben, what did you think of the song Food Party? Um, it was okay. It was okay? What were the things about it that you liked? The bitter and sour part. The bitter and sour part? What were some of the things about it that you didn't like or that you would wish was different? 
the ending where it did the radio part. You didn't like that? Nope. No. <laughs> okay. So zero to five, how many flavors would you give this? 2.5. 2.5? Okay. Thank you for your thoughts. All right. Aaron, do you watch... <laughs> I'm keeping. What? I'm keeping that in. Aaron, are you okay? Aaron, do you listen to podcasts as much as I do? I watch them as much as you do. So, I have recently found this wonderful app called Podcoin, and it actually pays you to listen to the podcast and every podcast, including ours. Oh wow. As you listen to it. So for every 10 minutes that you listen to it, it gives you a quote-unquote pod coin, which later on you can change in for different things like Amazon gift cards and and such. um, And Starbucks gift cards. Now, granted, some of these things take a lot of points to get there. But let's face it. What are you making now on listening to podcasts? My way of looking at it is I've been listening to podcasts for about five years now and haven't made a damn thing off it. Where... This is actually going to pay me to listen to podcasts now. And I'm all over that because I listen to five or six of them a week. So Podcoin is an app that you can download for free. You just sign up for it. And by the way, if you use the promo code BAREnaked, B-A-R-E-N-A-K-E-D, you get an extra 300 Podcoins, as do we. So that's really cool. I'm okay with that. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I've been using it lately. I love it. You can get it on your Android. Go to Podcoin app and use the invite code, once again, bare naked, and you'll get the 300 coins just for signing up and using that code. So give it a try today, and I hope you really enjoy it. In the flavor of food party, I've decided to... <laughs> See what I did there, huh? Um, I'm going to make this week's appearance be related to food and we don't have a lot of bare naked lady stuff related to food but we have to go with steven page if we're talking about food we have to go to steven page uh and there's two different ones that i could go to for steven page i'm going on the first one um which is steven page recently uh, appeared on a podcast called your last meal um, it's really interesting. He has, he gives this really fun interview about his early bare naked ladies days. Um, talks about local eats that are near him in New York that people take for granted as well as up in Canada. Um, it talks a lot about, about Canadian flavor and Canadian dishes. Um, talks about what he of course would have for his last meal. Uh, <laughs> he jokes about his drug possession, um, and how it also got him to get rid of his wine collection. He talks about the difference between New York bagels and Montreal bagels, mm. um, and the proper way to eat a bagel. So, Stephen, you make you can make me a tuna melt bagel anytime. That sounds amazingly delicious. I never knew I wanted a tuna, tuna melt bagel until he talked about how to make it and what it was. And I totally want him to come and make me a tuna melt bagel now. Like this sounds fabulous, especially with a Montreal bagel. Uh, He talks about how he loves to cook and he cooks for his family before he goes on tour. There's a break in there in the middle uh, where they talk to another guest, but then it comes back at around 29 minutes to talk about his love of soup. By the way, same episode, they interview the soup Nazi actor. (laughs) Um, Wow. This was a really hard 
podcast to listen to because I'm currently trying to eat better. And I was starving yeah. throughout the whole entire podcast. Uh, but it was a lot of fun to listen to. So that brings me to a question for you, Aaron. Yes, sir. I'm sure we're never going to get invited on this podcast. It's only for the <laughs> famous. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm heading into my late 40s at this point. Like, I'm never going to hit this, I don't think. Oh, I'm going to be famous as hell, man. <laughs> well, then you get, you already get your answer already made <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> well, if, if you, what would your final meal be? No limits. We're talking budget is no not limits. an option, not an issue. No, and you knew that your death was coming, so you're like, you know what? Here's what I want. All right. So there are a few things, a few factors to bear in mind. When one is asked, what would your last meal be? Obviously, the first one is, you know, this is the last time you get to experience food. Obviously, food is something we ingest not just to keep us going, but hopefully it's a pleasurable experience. You know, you like to experience different things, and all of us have favorite meals. I don't know about you, Tracy. I'm a steak guy. Mm. Now, when I was a kid, when I was a kid... Every time my dad made steak, he would burn the hell out of it, right? It was, <laughs> well done is a euphemism. I think he took a flamethrower to the thing. So I grew up believing the steak was tough and chewy and gross. So I went well into my college years thinking, I don't like steak. And then I think I was around 25, 26 when someone said, hey, have you ever had a steak medium rare? And I was like, well, aren't you going to get like parasites and stuff from that? You know, (laughs) they explained that no, unless it's, you know, like uh, ground beef or the uh, bacteria on the outside can get in and everything. For the most part, you can eat steak completely rare as long as it's not on the surface and you're fine, which is why they like dry aged steak and then strip away the gross rotted parts and they give you beautiful dry aged steak, which tastes amazing. So having understood that and gained some knowledge, I went out, tried a medium rare steak, and it was a revelation unto me. It was a, an entirely different experience, and I went from thinking that I hated steak to steak being my favorite thing to eat. So, knowing that, and having been to Japan and been to <laughs> the Kobe, the Kobe Prefecture of Japan, Kobe City, and I actually had A5 Kobe Wagyu, the most expensive meal I've ever had in my entire life, and also the greatest meal in my entire life. Now, the question invariably becomes, Aaron, is it worth $400, $500 uh, <laughs> for, for dinner one night? And the answer is no, not for me. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm very glad that I did it. And if I could afford that kind of thing on a regular basis, I would definitely partake in it on a regular basis. Is it better? Undoubtedly. Is it $500 better? I'm not sure about that. Than like, you know, a $40 nice ribeye or something. I can't really say if that's the case for me right now uh, within my means, but it was an amazing experience. So I have to say there's that. There's also, so if I'm going to, the last thing I ever have, obviously uh, I want it to be something really, really good, really nice, but the best meal I've ever had, trying to replicate that. So Kobe beef, A5 Kobe Wagyu from Kobe Prefecture, Japan, without a doubt. And then there's also, you want to send a message. Just like your last words, if people know what your last meal was, they're going to judge you based on that. So part of me says, well, who cares what they're going to judge me? I'll be dead. So there's that. But, you know, you want to leave <laughs> leave a message, try and say something about who you are. So there's that to think about. And there's also the fact that uh, when you say last meal, I'm thinking, well, if I know I'm going to die, it's probably like I'm on death row or something, right? So, like, you got to go out. You know you're facing death. Why not have a little liquid courage? So I decided to wash down that delicious A5 Kobe Wagyu beef with some really nice uh, whiskey. I'm thinking like uh, 
Might as well pair the Japanese beef with Japanese whiskey. So probably some Suntory Hibiki or something like that, or maybe Blanton's Bourbon. Something and something that's just kind of not like crazy, crazy, but something that I know, something that's good, something I enjoy. And then what pairs better with a glass of whiskey than a nice big cigar? I'm thinking like Romeo and Julietta Churchills. I'm not a snob. I'm not a snob here. I just enjoy a good cigar and a good glass of whiskey, and some occasionally Kobe Wagyu. Uh, not as not as uh, <laughs> frequently as I'd like. So that is my answer to you, Tracy. I would have A5 Japanese Kobe Wagyu beefsteak, washed down with a nice double or triple shot, <laughs> nice big glass of scotch or bourbon whiskey or Japanese whiskey, and have a nice big. Churchill-sized uh, cigar to, to enjoy it all. I think that would be a, a way to go out. I think that would be pretty good. Good answer. I like that answer. That's <laughs> excellent. You? I would... I'm on the same line along that I love steak. I'm a big steak. Yep. So, like, I was wavering, and I'm like, wait, why waver? I'm not choosing... <laughs> in my last mirror, I'm you not going to... You have surf and turf, man. <laughs> exactly. I am not going to like, oh, I have to worry about dying from a heart... No, just yeah. enjoy that last Pour meal. Pour it on. I am going with a nice, wonderfully cooked steak with a side of a nice lobster tail. Like, it's oh, going nice. to be a well-done nice. lobster tail with a good main butter lobster, sauce clearly, on the side. Right? The good stuff. Ex- well, yes. It has to be a main <laughs> lobster. <laughs> Um, and then and people underestimate Maine lobsters. They are amazing if you're comparing them to other lobsters. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I've tried other lobsters. No. That being said, it has to be done by a really good chef. So I, I'm thinking I want R- Chef Ramsay or Chef Flavor. Oh, you're going specific. Okay. Well, in that case, specific. I'm going to resurrect Anthony Bourdain and have him prepare <laughs> for me. And I all love the while... It. Guy Fieri is going to be yelling at him about Flavor Town while he does it. That's right. <laughs> I I want I want the best steak person do it. Either Flay or, or Ramsey to me. Like top yeah, of the line they're really right good. There. Like, they're definitely Flay especially is very well known for his steaks, isn't he? Exactly, and they both know how to do seafood as well. So like the lobster is going to come out perfect. Um, I don't care what they put on the on the side for the condiments. I, you know, go ahead, add whatever vegetables you want on the side. Maybe a nice risotto to start out. That'd be cool. yeah, that'd be nice. I, I'm good with a good risotto. Um, you know, a nice a nice tr- uh, truffle or or parmesan in there. Um, I have to have a good wine with that. Oh, so on top of the steak, I, I know I'm bastardizing steak here, but. <laughs> I think the perfect topper to a steak is a nice melted blue cheese on the top of it. All right. As long as you didn't say ketchup, I was going (laughs) to... No, no ketchup. No ketchup. No barbecue sauce. Roll up my sleeves. I was about to go (laughs) old-timey fisticuffs. I don't want a one. I want something that's going to bring out that nice, deep flavor of the steak. And I think blue cheese does that better than anything. Um, I think on the side... I definitely might want. Oh, we'll we'll talk about our Canadian stuff in a minute. But we'll yeah, we'll, yeah. So, but the other thing is, I want a nice wine. I know red wines are the way that you're supposed to go with a steak. I'm sorry, I'm not a big red wine person. It's a little bit too flavorful for me. I want the flavor to come from that steak. I'm gonna have a nice white wine, like maybe a nice Riesling uh, that just kind of nice sweetness next to all of that nice the the deep flavor of the steak and the nice cheesy umami type flavor of the blue cheese i'm getting all the all the flavor palettes in here nice uh, also the blue reference. cheese adds some nice saltiness you know <laughs> 
So how do I finish this? <laughs> I gotta have a good dessert. And I think once again, you gotta you gotta finish everything off. It's gotta be a nice tiramisu, a really well made tiramisu to kind of finish the whole palate off. It's a nice thought indeed. For my last meal, I would want salmon pie made by my mother. She got the recipe from my nana, my dad's mother, and my family is Franco-American. So all my relatives, if you go back far enough, come from Canada. Um, but on my dad's side, we are French and a little Irish. Um, so the, all my foods that are my favorites are actually from the Franco-American side. Um, so my last meal would be called... Salmon pie, made by my mother. Crepes, also made by my mother, with maple syrup on them. And she also got that recipe from my Nana, who was my dad's mother. My Nana made all my favorite foods, actually. Or all my favorite foods turned out to be the ones that come from my Nana. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, what else would I have in my last meal? Salmon pie crepes. Oh, you know what? I would love a Pepperidge, Pepperidge Farm white cake because those are darn good. And I would need some chocolate in there too. So um, how about some Ben and Jerry's chocolate therapy ice cream? Um, oh, and lobster slathered in butter. So it's not very healthy, but for my last meal, I would devour all of it. That's that. So we're not talking about last meals anymore, but we're very lucky up here that in the next two months or so, mm. they're going to be opening a specific restaurant here in Maine in, in, within miles of each of our houses that is specifically Quebecois food. Very nice. And it, I am very excited about it. So what is your favorite food that you're looking forward to kind of eating from that? That that's my answer. So the other Good thing answer. is during this interview, Stephen was talking about how Canadian foods are mostly looking looked at as the Quebec foods, like the the foods that we think of when we say Canadian are Quebec foods, um, which I would agree with. Like if you're thinking about what's what's a Canadian food, like most of them that we come up with are are Quebecois. Um, that being said, like what do you think is your favorite tra traditional Canadian food? Ketchup potato chips. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I, honestly, those are pretty good. And uh, if you guys haven't tried those, they are actually pretty good. Uh, but no, I um, honestly, I feel bad saying this after Stephen railed against people always going to Quebec. But look, guys, it's French Canada and the French know cooking. All right. Poutine is such an amazing... It was a revelation oh. to me the first time I had... To be honest, Tracy, did you know I really didn't think I liked gravy until I tried poutine? Oh. <laughs> it was like, oh my god. So Gravy goes on certain things and at certain yeah, times. And but poutine, poutine definitely. Like, whoever figured that one out yeah. was a genius. <laughs> like, so, yeah, let's so, put gravy on top of, like, <laughs> chips. Oh, and at the same time curds cheese yeah. curds let's mix uh, it's it all, all the best carbs in one place is poutine it's genius so and the other thing that they can do really well is they can put smoked meats on top of poutine yep oh and yeah i'm all oh. over that you want to put a nice smoked meat on top of that go with oh. poutine very well 
So here's the thing. So Canadian bacon is also quite nice since you mentioned it. And uh, since you were talking about side dishes and dessert for your last meal, I didn't really think that far ahead. But poutine would make a great side for my Kobe Wagyu. Man, someday I'm going to have to make this happen someday and I'll die happy. Oh. Uh, the Japanese dessert, restaurant's going to be like you're bastardizing all of I, this. I'm going to say this. If you have been to Walt Disney World down in Orlando, Florida, uh, Epcot is no substitute for actually going to the various countries of the world, of course. But they do try and keep it quasi-realistic with they have people from those countries, staff in those places and everything. And... Some of the culinary cuisine, some of it's Americanized, but some of it is, is pretty interesting. And there's a place there called Lucellier, which is a steakhouse. Um, it's pretty good. It's not the greatest, but it's pretty good. And I think, though, I enjoyed the poutine more at Lucellier than the steak. And they had a wonderful creme brulee. It was a maple syrup creme brulee, and it was delicious. That would be my dessert. So that's my, <laughs> that's my answer for the Canadian side. It would be poutine and maple syrup creme brulee with authentic Canadian maple syrup. Nice, nice. <laughs> All right, so mine, I'm struggling here. I, So I listened to that podcast with Steve the other night, and then I pulled up this website that I'm going to post there for everyone else, the 17 best traditional Canadian foods, and I was starving at the end of this. This is the worst week for me in terms of my <laughs> diet. Um, <Yeah. laughs> because I'm sitting there looking at all this wonderful French food, Quebecois food, Canadian food, and wanting all of it at the same moment i have not eaten all of this however i will have to say i'm tempted i want to go out and try the the montreal bagels from the way that steven talks about them that sounds great they i'm not gonna lie it sounds pretty darn good he's like you have to eat them fresh you don't do anything like toasting them until like day number two they're perfect the way they are for the first full day and so i'm, I'm tempted i'm like i want to see what that's like now but I think I have to agree with you. Like, if I was told, like, okay, so you get one Canadian food to try, and you got to stick with that the rest of your life. You can't have anything else. It would have to be poutine with like smoked meat on top. Like that would that would be what I'd have to stick with. Then you and I are in agreement. Sir. <laughs> Michelle, what do you say? This is Michelle. I come from a Franco-American family on my dad's side. We do have some French on my mom's side, but there's a lot of English and Scottish over there. But on both sides of my family, great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents, um, everybody was from Canada and then eventually made their way to Maine. So my favorite Canadian food is touche pie, or otherwise known as meat pie. When I was growing up, my grandma Gangi made it at Christmas every year, and it was so good. And, you know, other people can make it, and I've had it elsewhere, but nobody's is as good as my grandma Gangi's. And I think in every family, like, there's always one person that nobody can make something better than, and in my family, it was my grandma Gangi's meat pie. Second up is the butter tarts the pecan tarts they're so good and my nana made those every year at christmas also those were so good so i'd say those are my two top favorite canadian foods i'm sure somebody will say poutine but i had to go off the beaten track because poutine is not my favorite although it's damn good when you want a gut full of food that's just that salty goodness um but that's that all right I can't wait to hear what you guys love for Canadian food. All right. 
couple of quick things to throw in there. BNL is almost on their U.S. tour, so go out there and catch them. Also, Steven starts another U.S. tour next month with the whole odds band, not just Craig Northey. So go out, catch him. Great fun. Also, Canadian friends, Steven is going to be on Iron Chef Canada as a judge for several episodes starting on August 28th. It's on Food Network Canada, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you record it, can you please send it to us? They do not allow us access to that down here in the States. <laughs> uh, we can't get it. I want to see J- Stephen judging Iron Chef Canada. Like, I'm all over that. And also, if you find a way to get us the, a copy of Celebrity Chopped, if they're doing reruns of it up there, we can't access that either. I want to see when he won that. So send it down to us. Congrats! Hey, there's somebody in my in my webcam. I was just gonna say, someone is sneaking in. (laughs) Someone's sneaking in really, really super quietly behind you. Matter of fact, it was amazing, (laughs) Becca. I couldn't even hear your footsteps. That's she's a ninja. He said I couldn't even hear your footsteps. Oh really? Yeah, you're like a matter of fact. I would almost dare to bet that if I looked at the rug. There would be no footprints either. Oh, I see what you did there. You can't slip one by me, man. First the sponsor, now the transition. You got to get up earlier in the morning. And uh, okay. So yes, come back next week. <laughs> For those of you who couldn't see it, because this is a podcast, he's like, you can't yeah, slip one by me. And, and Becca was already out of the room. <laughs> like the ninja that she is. So yes, come back next week. Join us to listen to Footprints. And have a great week. And you too, my good sir. I'll see you next week. (laughs) Thank you. That was fun. That was the final movement of Anton Corbijn's Food Party. Featuring Ed Shaganuzzi on claves. Next up on Radio C-A-K-E, Boreneked Ladias with... The Canadian Snack Time Trilogy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.